In preparation for the sermon today, I'm going to read Psalm 1. How happy is the man who does not follow the advice of the wicked, or take the path of sinners, or join a group of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside streams of water that bears fruit in its season, and whose leaf does not wither, whatever he does prospers. The wicked are not like this. Instead, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not survive the judgment, and the sinners will not be in the community of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to ruin. May the Lord add his blessing upon his word this morning and to our hearts. Every day we make decisions. Most of them are small decisions. But if you think through this, every day that I make a decision and take a step, I continue down a path. And eventually it leads to a direction in life and to a destination and a life that is pretty much defined. How do I make those decisions? How do I process what I'm supposed to do? I think for most of us, during the course of a day, we'll stop and think, what should I do? It could be something related to household or your job. It could be something big, but most of the time, they're small decisions. If we ask that to ourselves or to someone else, what should I do? What decision would be best to to cause me to head in the direction that is best for my life? Well, there is no one in all of the universe that knows that better than God. Because God created you. And before He created you, He loved you. He knew you and He loved you. And God also has purpose for your life. So if someone asked me, what is success? (laughs) I mean, there are a lot of ways people define success, but my thought is a life of success is at the end, God's pleased. That's it. Because if God's not pleased, I didn't succeed in the thing. And only God knows exactly how he made me, why he made me, and then all of the little decisions along the way that will lead me down that course and bring me to the place that I should be. God guides us. And we've been talking about how God guides us through His Word, His His treasured, valuable Word. And we saw this as being true. God has declared it to be true. It has proven to be true. It is relevant. This, this book, though I've had this particular copy a few years, it's still more relevant than this morning's newspaper. And it's also helpful to me more than other books. Now, I read a lot of things. I like reading books. And a lot of them are helpful. But this is the most helpful book because it's from God. It is His words. Everything is true. And it has the power, a supernatural power, to transform your life. 
not just to inform you. Usually, you know, you go to a conference, read a book, I've been informed, now I've got to go do something. God's Word has the ability to change your life. And my prayer is that through this, you'll, you'll grow to have such a love for God's Word and that He will open it up to you to understand it and to look forward to getting into it and seeing how it is, He describes it as a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. So this is the principal way. And we read this in the book of Hebrews, how that God through the ages has spoken at various times and in many ways. So nothing will limit God from being able to speak to us in whatever way He wants to speak to us. But He has in these last days spoken to us through His Son. That's Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ has has said, I am the Word, I am the living Word, the way, the truth, and the life. But this morning I want us to examine a little bit on how God can speak to us through people. Our text this morning is found in the wisdom book of Proverbs. This is right after Psalms. There are 31 chapters in Proverbs. You can do this if you'd like to. Read one, one per day through the month. Loaded with wisdom. Proverbs chapter 11 and verse 14. It says, Where there is no counsel, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. So when it speaks about counsel, where there is no counsel, your translation may say where there is no guidance or where there is no instruction. The idea here is of the counsel is guiding me. So if I'm looking at from point A being where I'm starting and really the point B or the end of my life, that the counsel is guiding me along to that place. Without this counsel, without this guidance, when when people don't have guidance, and he's speaking really to the nation, they will come to ruin or they will fall. Uh, I like one translation that says people lose their way. Without instruction, without someone to guide, people lose their way. But in the multitude of counselors, in other words, when there are many people speaking into my life, there is safety, that you find a safe place. So I ask this question, who is speaking into your life in a deep, profound way? Because this is part of God's plan, and this is part of God's way of bringing you from where you are to where you need to be, and becoming the person He's intended. Now, most of us realize that God guides me through His Word, and He does. That's the principal way. God guides me by His Spirit, and He does. But God also impacts your life and brings you to the full maturity through people. So I ask you that question. Who right now is speaking into your life in a positive way, that's helping you become the person God created you to be. So I'm going to begin with every person needs counsel. They say, I don't need counseling. What is a counselor? A counselor in this text is an interesting word. In fact, you know, I'll look up 
the Hebrew word and see what, how is it translated into English in many ways. And what I found was really interesting about the word counselor or guide or guidance is a word that is used by the Hebrew people when it was written to describe the steering of a ship. Now, I know we're a long way from the ocean, but I, I grew up this way. Uh, my dad was career Navy, and so everywhere we lived, um, we'd be near the water. So I had to call my dad last night to make sure I got all these facts straight. Now, this isn't as intimidating as speaking in Norfolk or San Diego, uh, but I know probably we've got some Navy people here, so I want to have this accurate. So I started thinking on this. It's an illustration built into this text. That's why it's good to kind of dig in and look up words. What is guidance? It is used to describe the steering of a ship. And so I want to get this picture. Uh, I was having this conversation with my dad. Last, and it was really a lot of fun. I had taken all these notes. I'm saying, I'll make sure this is right. But you've heard of uh, the bridge. Now, if you've watched Captain Kirk in Star Trek, you know, you think he's on the bridge. So that, that's probably the more modern idea. But the bridge is the platform where where the ship is commanded. So it's usually an elevated platform, and you have a number of people that are on the bridge. You have the captain, and I'm going to kind of use this as an illustration of the captain being myself, is I have the responsibility for this ship. The ship is my life. I have the responsibility in making the decisions. So along the way, um, we will, you know, a ship will make many maneuvers, go into many ports. But if anything happens, and you watch this on the news, don't you? If there's a, there's a ship at sea that runs into something else or something happens on a ship, who are they always bringing to account? It's always a captain. You know, and the captain cannot say, well, the guy's downstairs or in the engine room or this, this guy wasn't doing his job and it, we crashed into the other ship. It's always the captain who is responsible. Like this, every one of us are responsible for our lives. We are responsible for the decisions that we make. But there are many counselors that the captain has, and he must have. If that captain tries to do everything himself, that ship is going to sink. It's going to crash. There are going to be a number of problems. The best case scenario would be he just loses his way. (laughs) So the captain... Then you have the officer of the deck. This could be an executive officer. It could be any number of the officers, and they usually do a four-hour shift. My dad was first assigned out of the Naval Academy to the USS Hancock. It was an air, aircraft carrier uh, deployed in, uh, in Asia. And so he was the assistant navigator, but he also was one of, he said, I was what? one of the officers of the deck. So I had a four-hour window that I was responsible to stand there on the deck and make sure that everything is happening right. That's a a lot of responsibility. Have you you ever been on an aircraft carrier or seen an aircraft carrier, how how large it is and how many people are on it? And so this, uh, he gives the orders to the helmsman. The helmsman is the one who's holding the helm, which is like the big wheel, uh, we see in our, our picture books, and the helmsman is the one who's actually steering and pushing all the controls. But the officer of the deck is the one command, making those commands. So if you go right, uh, full rudder, then people will, will do what he says. 
So that's the officer of the deck. Then you have visual lookouts, which standing on the bridge with binoculars, looking to see obstructions, things that are going on. Right below the uh, bridge is the Combat Information Center. The officer in charge there is director of all communications, radar, weather, all reports that come in. It's a mass of information that come in, and they communicate all the necessary and important information up to the deck and to the officer in charge and ultimately to the captain who's responsible. So even when the captain is sleeping, he's still responsible, but he has responsible people who are taking care of things and letting them know if there's something significant going on. Then you have navigators. who The navigators have all the tools, and nowadays it's mostly computers, but they have all the navigational tools. And if you, if you look through uh, the encyclopedia and see everything that's been used to navigate around the world, from the, the sextant instrument that would use to be measuring the stars and timing uh, the distance from the horizon, it's just amazing how what years ago all of these um, tools will be used to help. You have the map, you have the tools, you have landmarks, all of these. So, so the navigator needs to let the captain know always, here's where we are, here's where we're going, at what speed, at what time. So this captain is dependent upon him. The helmsman, of course, is steering the ship, and then the pilot is usually so. If, and I saw this uh, when we were up in Alaska. If you go into Juneau, Alaska, or into Anchorage, Alaska, you know, your, your big ship is coming into a, an unfamiliar uh, port. They will put the pilot, a local guy, who's usually not in the Navy, they'll put him on a little boat and get him out to the aircraft carrier, and he will steer the ship in uh, because he's very familiar with the area. And so I, I think to me that's interesting how not even a Navy, I think there are counselors in our lives who may not even be believers, uh, but they give me counsel about certain kinds of things. So it's not that every counselor has to be a Christian, but when I make this comparison, it's like the captain has the responsibility of the whole ship, and he has all of these people speaking to him information that is necessary for him to make the right decisions as the captain to get that ship from where it is to where it needs to be. Now, that's, that's the imagery. That's, and I know you don't see that by looking at it in English, but to me it's profound. A counselor is someone who comes alongside. In the New Testament, when we read through the Gospels particularly, the word counselor is used. It's, it's used to describe God as a wonderful counselor. Jesus, the wonderful counselor. God's Word is a counselor. It's a guide. The Holy Spirit is our counselor and our guide. Now, there are also counselors that God gives us in human form that are not perfect. They're not God. They're not Jesus. They're, they're not the Word. So these are fallible, but God has designed for each of us to have people speaking into our lives to help us come to maturity and find our way in life. It could be a teacher, an advisor, a coach, a friend. So ask the question, as I did at the beginning, uh, do you have someone like that? Is, do you have someone at a very deep level is speaking into your life in a profound way? Well, I don't really need that. That's what I'd say. I don't really need that. I mean, I'm a pastor, right? So um, 
I've got it figured out. I've been studying my Bible for 40 years. And I don't, I'm, you know, the rest of you people, you probably need a counselor once in a while because, you know, you have a problem or you have an issue. If you've got an issue, they need counseling in a crisis or need help. But I want to I tell you what I, my conclusion through this study is. Every person here, including me, probably mostly me, needs a counselor. So when we look at it is, hey, their life has fallen apart. We need to kind of send them out and get some counseling. And so we, we can tend to resist what God has designed to be a part of every one of our lives. I remember talking to a young guy not long ago, getting started in ministry, and he asked me, he said, would you meet with me regularly and coach me? Coach me through pastoring, church planning. So we met a couple times, and I said, uh, I can't do it. And he was kind of looking at me shocked. You can't meet with me? You're too busy? And I said, no, I'm not too busy, but... I said, you don't have any problems. You, don't, you got everything put together. I said, I've talked to you several times, and everything is great. Everything is phenomenal. How are you doing personally? I'm doing great. How's your family? It's great. How's my marriage? It's great. How are the kids doing? They're great. How's the church going? It's going great. I said, I've got nothing to say. And um, I said, because I know no one's like that. No one's like that. And if you can't get real with me, if you can't open up, and I don't know why you're not, and I can tell you why he wasn't, because it's like a lot of young guys that get out there, I've got to like live up to this, you know, I've got to, I don't want people to lose confidence in me. I want people to believe in what I'm doing. I want to be a leader. Who's going to follow someone who's weak? I said, but, yeah, but you know what? I know you have weaknesses. God knows you have weaknesses. And unless we talk at a real level on that, what help could I be to you? And I see this tear come, start coming down his eye. And so we started making a little progress. And, and I did meet with him again. <laughs> Why does Matt Olson need counseling? So you can tell people that. Our pastor, we really love our pastor. He's in counseling. Okay. <laughs> The reason, the reason I need counseling is because I don't know everything. Are you shocked? I mean, I've, I've been, you know, my profession has been ministry, and so I've been studying, for over 40 years I've been studying the Bible, and the more I study, the less I know. Any of you do that with your profession? <laughs> um, I know a lot of guys in here, women, you have, you have jobs that, that you're constantly learning. You've got to be constantly on, on the edge of learning. I feel like it just exposes more than I don't know. I don't know everything. Two is I don't see everything. That's what we call blind spots. That's what other people have. What blind spots do you have? Oh, I don't have any blind spots. But, but the truth is, I know I don't know everything. I don't see everything. There are times I need encouragement. Even the best, most stable, mature people have times when someone needs to come along and say, you're doing the right thing. Thank you for what you're, you're doing the right thing. Don't quit. There are times that I need correction. Yes, because I, like you, am infall uh, infallible. almost said infallible, but you know that. I need correction. For someone to say to me, are you sure about that? 
Maybe you want to think about that again. Now, my, my response when someone says that to me is just to bristle. Of course I thought about it. Of course I know. But a good counselor will come in in the right kind of way to question that and help me in correcting. To pro- just to talk out loud, to process decisions. And as everyone needs to be accountable. But I would want to be accountable to someone who really cares and loves me and is speaking into my life for good, not just to correct me out of the blue. So what this verse says is, where there is no counsel, basically describing a nation and a people left to themselves to wander off course and be in danger, possibly ruin, shipwreck. It's like the captain guiding the ship by himself, and there is no way... He can know everything and see everything and do everything. There's no way. What's going to happen will be disastrous. God has created us to receive counsel and to give counsel. I want, you to, I want that to sink in with you. God has made you to need counseling from other believers. You need it. I need it. And God has created you to give counsel. So guidance, encouragement, help, support to other people. And that's really the picture. Paul, the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 about the body. In other words, like the family. Like, you know, you look around here uh, at Valley. This is, this is, God describes this as like a family. And it's like a body. And the head, of course, is Christ. But all of us are a part of each other. And we need to encourage each other and help each other and support each other. All through the New Testament, you read these one another, one another, one another. It's the way it's designed. And so when God created you, he, of course, he gave you his word. He gave you his spirit. When you, when you receive Christ as your Savior, you have the spirit, so you have that God in your life. But God also brings in the body to be able to speak into your life and you to speak into their lives. So why do we resist it? (laughs) Why do we resist? And I've I've jotted down a couple things here. I think one, our culture, the culture in America of rugged individualism makes it harder. A lot of cultures overseas and and other places are much more uh, communal. They're much more tied to each other. Everything is like family. Everything's open and interconnected. But in America, you know, part of our American dream and everything else is we just have this rugged individualism. And uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I can do this on my own. And what we do is we just suck it up, uh, and, and we suck it up, and we suck it up, and we suck it up until we pass out. <laughs> Second thing is what I call the Facebook phenomenon, where where we have... How many friends do you have on Facebook? I've got 4,600 friends. Intimate, deep, personal relationships. And we go on to see how many of them are current, to how many likes we get on a post. Anybody that's on Facebook or anything else, I mean, that's just the way we're wired. And so, and, and, and Facebook, and that type of thing, that culture feeds giving a persona of i've got it together you know so we post this and post this and post this and how's your life their life must be fantastic 
And your relationships are, as you say, a mile wide and a half inch deep. And so you've got, you've got hundreds or thousands of friends, but you don't have one, not one, that you could just open up your life and say everything. So, well, that'd be kind of, wow, I don't know if I could do that. Well, that's, that's kind of where we are. So that's what I call Facebook culture. The other culture is what I call church culture. Because the same thing feeds into the church. We come to church on Sunday and we're on our best behavior. You know, we smile. How you doing? I'm doing great. How you doing? I've talked about this before. And part of it is, you know, we got a lot, probably a lot of reasons why we're that way. But the church becomes incredibly superficial. We don't, we don't really open up to people even there for a number of reasons. The first one, I think, is pride. Until things are falling apart, we really don't want to be able to admit that there is a problem. It's like first time you teach your kid to drive. You know, I got it, I got it, I got it. I mean, they do that when they're three years old. You, know, you, you say, okay, I want you to try this. Let me help you. I got it, I got it, I got it. Crash. So pride is something we're born with, we have. And, and we don't ever want to admit we need help. So for me to ask for counsel or ask for help or to ask for advice is showing weakness. And that's, that's one thing that I've noticed when I, when I get with, with people, we, we talk about all the things that are our strengths or what we have in common and what we enjoy and what we like. But, but when you really get down to the level of what I'm struggling with right now, decisions I need to make, choices that need to be made, makes it very difficult with pride. And then fear. And I think some of the fear is, is well-founded because uh, we fear if I open up of being shamed or rejected or judged or things going bad. And that's probably happened to all of us. You've opened up to someone and you wish you wouldn't have. And so we don't. We just don't let that be a part of our lives. So who is speaking into your life? Who really knows you? Who's, who is the person you could go to and not feel hesitant about sharing. Everyone needs a counselor. But let's move on to the, the kind of counselor we need. Earlier, Sarah was reading out of Psalm 1, verses 1 through 3, and it says, Happy is the man who does not follow the advice of the wicked or take the path of sinners or join a group of mockers. So basically that's saying you're not you're not listening to the counsel of people who God's not in their thoughts. But it says in contrast, in verses 2 and 3, that person's delight is in God's instruction. And he meditates on God's instruction day and night. And this person who is constantly meditating upon the instruction of the Word of God will be like a tree that is planted by a river that just flourishes. It just flourishes, and it bears fruit. So delighting in the Lord, delighting in His Word, causes us to produce fruit. So the kind of counsel that I would need that would be helpful counsel would be from a person who also believes that. In other words, their foundation, their root, is God's Word. And 
they look to God's Word to guide them. Our tendency, I think, today is, is to feel like I don't need counsel. I'll figure it out. In fact, I'm surprised sometimes. When I, it seems like when I was younger, you know, Diane and I, we'd ask questions to everybody about everything. But now it's like the people you look at and say, they need some help. They're not asking for it. And so I pretty much take the stance, I don't give advice unless I ask, unless it's like the house is on fire. <laughs> and they're running to this seminar and this seminar and this seminar and reading this book and this book and this book, but never ask a question. It's amazing to me, and I, and I want to be, be kind on this, but it's like people are new parents or newly married or just starting in life, and they've got it all figured out. I mean, they have got it all figured out. I'm thinking, okay. <laughs> okay. You need people speaking into your life at every stage of your life. And I would say the older you get, probably you need to realize it's just as much. To those people that look in the wrong places, you can always find a group of friends that will tell you what you want to hear. <laughs> I want to get your advice. Well, I know what you're going to say. Oh, I think that's a great idea. Or you look to friends that are not walking with Christ. There's a story in 1 Kings chapter 11. If you remember the, the kings of Israel, of course, the most famous of those is David. And David had a son who was the wisest man in all the earth who wrote Proverbs. His name was Solomon. And Solomon had a son. Now, these get less familiar, and it gets more complicated. But you can remember this one. His name was Rehoboam. Rehoboam. And I'm going to just read this little account and story about Rehoboam. He's the new king. Okay, he's a young guy. He's the new king. Now, you think anybody, he's like the new captain of the ship. Okay, what advice would you give this new king? So the, the rest of the events of Solomon's reign, including all his deeds and wisdom, are recorded in the Scriptures. Solomon ruled in Jerusalem over all and all of Israel for, for 40 years. When he died, he was buried in the city of David, Jerusalem, named for his father. Then his son Rehoboam became the next king. So this is chapter 12. Rehoboam went to Shechem, where all Israel had gathered to make him king. When Jeroboam, this was another man who was competing for a place in leadership. When he heard this, he returned from Egypt, for he had fled to Egypt to escape King Solomon. The leaders of Israel summoned him, and Jeroboam and the whole assembly of Israel went to speak with Rehoboam. So everybody, everybody's coming, they want to talk to the new king. Your father was a hard master. They said, lighten the harsh labor demands and heavy taxes that your father imposed on us. Then we will be your loyal subjects. Rehoboam replied, give me three days to think this over. Then come back for my answer. So the people went away. Then King Rehoboam discussed the matter with the, the older men who had been counseling his father, Solomon. So Solomon, the wisest, you can just picture this, the wisest man in all the earth. Why is he so wise? Well, there are a lot of reasons, but he had a circle of counselors around him that now came over to Rehoboam. This is how Rehoboam responds to those older men. 
He says, what is your advice? He said, how should I answer these people? The older counselors replied, if you are willing to be a servant to these people today and give them a favorable answer, they will always be your loyal subjects. But Rehoboam rejected the advice of the older men and instead asked the opinion of, listen to this, the young men who had grown up with him and were now his advisors. So he got all his best buds <laughs> to be his advisors. He says, what is your advice? He asks them. How shall I answer these people who want me to lighten the burdens and impose, imposed by my father? The young men replied, this is what you should tell those complainers <laughs> who want to lighten the burden. My little finger is thicker than my father's waist. Yes, my father laid heavy burdens on you, but I'm going to make them even heavier. My father beat you with whips, but I will beat you with scorpions. Well, that's what he did. And you know what happened is this, this is when uh, Israel was divided. It just completely divided the nation. And I, and I thought of this, how, you know, you get into responsibility. Here's a, here's a guy who's been, like, handed a ship. Like, the, okay, you're the captain. He's got, he's got a big thing going on. And now what's, what's your first step that you're going to take? You know, over the years, I've been able to be involved in a number of nonprofit uh, organizations as far as being on boards and things, you know, colleges and seminaries, camps, missions agencies. And so that's it's kind of a role as being a board member is to give advice, to give counsel, to talk to people about what to, what to do. And on one occasion, uh, it was a ministry that I had been on the, on the previous board to, uh, a young man was handed um, control of an entire organization. It was a large organization, um, budget, people, and he was probably in his mid-30s. And he's got a clean slate. He's got, I mean, it's an overwhelming responsibility. And, and, and he said, what should I do? What, what, should, what should be the first thing that I do? I said, well, the first thing you do is get on your knees and cry out to God. <laughs> I said, because you're not, no, no man is ever equal to the task. I've always said that. No man is ever equal to the task God calls him to. I said, the second thing is I, I would get some professional help and counsel in putting together a world-class board of directors. So you've got people sitting around you on a board level and then get, the, get also counsel in getting people sitting at your administrative table in the day-to-day -day functions. And I would get people who are world-class leaders in those fields. So chief operating officer, your financial and academics and so forth. And um, so I said, okay. So the next thing was he put together his board and he put together his administration. And all of the people were his friends that he had grown up with. Same age, basically, same experience, <laughs> uh, best buds. And they, they were flat out excited about their new opportunity. Well, it didn't go well. It didn't go well. Now, I say that is because that, that's probably the tendency we all have. Because if my father's advisors, oh, what do they know? I, I have people tell me this. Uh, I, you know, this last couple months, I had... Um, 
two guys say to me, yeah, but they're, they're kind of older. They're kind of out of touch. And I said, no, they get it. They, and, and the reason they get it is because they've been through this many times and seen this. Listen to the counsel. I'm finding now that as I, the older I get, the more I need people speaking into my life. When I came back to Colorado and started pastoring uh, the SEND network, which uh, I'm a part of and and Robbie is a part of, they asked me to help do coaching, to coach uh, church planters, new guys coming in to plant churches in Colorado. And um, so I went through some training and figuring how do I get the older guys to be coaching the younger guys. And so that's kind of the plan. Is I think we have 50, 58 or so church plants going on in Colorado. So to get every church planter has a coach. That's our goal. But in doing that, I realized everybody needs a coach. It's not just church planters. It's not just every single person. And I need this. I need to take more seriously, even at my age, people speaking into my life in a healthy way. So I want to kind of finish up by asking three questions in looking, three questions we'd ask in looking for a counselor. You say, well, where, where would I even look for someone to speak into my life? Or three questions that I would ask of wanting to become the kind of counselor someone would want to meet with. First question I have is, who do I respect? Because a lot of people have knowledge, but they don't have a life that's very attractive. As a person, it's not so much what they do or what they did, but who they are. Who is living it out? Are they humble? Because I think it's really hard for me to take advice from, it's just the way I am, from people who are not humble. <laughs> you have someone who's really proud and arrogant, they know everything. I really don't want to ask them a question. <laughs> so humility is, is key. They bear the fruit of the Spirit. That person that I'm getting counsel from, I see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are the things that are manifested in their lives. And they have provided for me an example that I think, you know, that's the kind of life I want. Now, I would admit there are not a lot of people (laughs) that fit that. But there are some. There are some. Second question, not only who do I respect, who do I trust? Who do I trust that has a grasp of God's Word and interpreting it properly? Who do I trust that has wisdom, knowledge, and understanding of the subject that relates to me personally? Who do I trust that really understands me? Who do I trust that will tell me the truth? I remember hearing it was a couple decades ago that a president that was being inaugurated and one of his friends said, well, enjoy today because it's the last day you'll ever hear the truth. Well, don't we see that? Is everybody's got an angle on it. So if, if you're getting advice from all these places and, and you can't trust that you're getting the truth, think of that captain. That captain is on that bridge making decisions about his life and the life of everybody else. He's got to be able to trust that these things are true. Do I trust that that person also would keep a confidence? They wouldn't go tell it to other people, that I can talk to them and they will not repeat it. So who do I respect, who do I trust, and then who cares? <laughs> it's like, who really cares? And this is where I can tend to get cynical. I think we all get a little cynical about this because you've got everybody moving around doing this. How you doing? I'm doing great. How you doing? I go, oh, I just love you, and I love you too, and they don't care. 
So why would I spill my guts? Why would I open up? Why would I ask a question? Why would I seek counsel if they don't really care? To me, that's important. Not just that they, they have the character or the competency to be able to instruct me, but they really genuinely, authentically care about me as a person. I'm not trying to be selfish in this, but, but this is important for us to value what we're receiving. Who cares? And I think you can tell people that have time. People that don't have time don't really care. And this is an interesting one, though. People that have time. We all have 168 hours a week. Do you know that? Everybody. We've got the same amount of time. And, and this doesn't mean that people that have time are not busy people. A lot of times they're very busy people. But some of the, the busiest people I've known, the, the ones that I say, I, the ones that I've gone to, they're very busy, incredibly industrious, but when I stop and ask them a question, I get the feeling they've got time. They're not looking like this or doing this. A lot of it's body language. You know, I'm talking to them, hey, how you doing? How you doing? How you doing? Oh, yeah, what did you say again? <laughs> I mean, they're, they're locked in. They've got time. They're not, you don't get the sense that they're in a rush. They listen. Eye contact, undistracted. They ask questions, the right kind of questions that probe a little deeper. So in other words, if, if I'm sharing something and they keep asking questions that dig a little deeper, dig a little deeper, helping me to realize something, that means a lot. And then finally they follow up. They'll follow up. Hey, you know, we talked last week. Or we talked a month ago. How are things going? Who is speaking into your life on a deep, meaningful level? If no one, if no one is speaking into your life, are you going to keep living that way? Or will you pursue the counsel? This is my final, final admonition, to pursue counsel in my life. And the way that I would do it is to pray that God would bring people into my life that would help me grow and accomplish God's purposes, to encourage me, to question me, to challenge me, to maybe sometimes rebuke me, or to say, are you sure about that? But God would bring those people into my life. Secondly, I began looking around to see who is God bringing into my life? Who have I talked to? Who is there that might be a possibility? And then ask. Because if I look at myself as a counselor, I'm not, I'm not walking down the sidewalk waiting for people, you know, people to come by and say, hey, do you need counseling? Anybody here? Do you need counseling? Do you need to talk? Do you need to open up? I'm, I don't do that to you when you're walking out. <laughs> On Sunday, hey, how about opening up? How about sharing? What's, what's really going on down deep down in your life there? No, so it really has to start with the person wanting the counsel. And for me to take the initiative to say, like I do the guy, hey, can, can I take you to lunch? Could we go to lunch? Could we we'll grab coffee? Um, and depending on, and that doesn't need to be, we're going to meet, start meeting every week. doesn't mean that. It may just be that one time, maybe a few other times, but, but if I have a need in my life that I want to get someone speaking into that, I find someone I greatly respect, I trust them, and I feel they really care that I will try to set something up to be able to spend time with them. In the past, um, I've asked counsel on personal disciplines in my life, life management, marriage, 
um, raising kids. Um, you know, when, whenever I think about raising kids, I smile sometimes at young parents. You know, it's like I used to do, you know, family family seminars, you know, before we had kids. They were fantastic. They were just like, and then, and then early on, you know, things are going going fine. We don't really need advice. Everything is going fine. And then all of a sudden you, you hit something. It's just kind of funny to watch. You know, it's like, whoa, what is, what's going on? And I was like, I need to talk to somebody. Well, if, you, if you've not gotten counsel on these things, you will need it. <laughs> Education, finances, career decisions. I mean, there's so many things that impact my life. When I talk about making every little decision along the way, I have the Word. I have the Holy Spirit. God's put desires into my heart. We've talked about that. But God is also designed for mature counselors to speak into my life just like all the other guys on the bridge that are speaking to that captain. Our conversations would often go. They'd ask me, so Matt, what's God doing in your life? What blessings do you have to share? What's, what's the biggest challenge you're facing right now? I say, let me pick one. <laughs> what are you thinking? What decisions have to be made? How can I pray for you? How can I help you? Those are, those are the questions a counselor would ask someone. This is last week I was with a young guy. It was kind of fun because... I've known this, he's now adult, got his own family. I've known him since he's little. And uh, followed, you know, stayed in touch through the years. We don't maybe get together a couple, three times a year. And uh, he said, can we go get coffee? So I said, sure, let's get coffee. I, I just look forward to it. He said, I just want to walk you through some of the things going on in my life right now. So he just kind of, and I'm not really saying a whole lot, but just kind of ask a few questions and kind of walk in through and you know he's making all the right decisions making all the right choices but he wants someone to hear it to, am i am i going crazy or is this what i is this the right path to be going when i walked away i thought what a joy what an incredible joy to be a part of this man young man's life through these years i mean there, there's nothing better than, than being a little small part of his life developing and growing. And honestly, for me, if you were to say, what's the greatest joy you have in ministry? What do you love the most? I said, I love the fact that I can look back at the, the, the ones that have grown up, they've gone off to school, started their lives, gone on to their careers, and I still stay in touch and see them continue to walk with the Lord. That's, that's, the, that's the best thing in life. And to see them continuing to, to do the same. And... My prayer is this, that in the same way, I will continue that same pattern. Periodically, I get, I get the counsel, I get the advice, and God is using that to help shape me. So at the end of our conversation, um, I felt everything you said was on track. There's nothing I had to really add. add. Ask a few questions, confirm a few things, and then continue to pray and just say, hey, I'm there anytime you want to talk or to be able to, to spend time together. This is the way we're to function. That's why I love going back to the beginning of this verse in Proverbs eleven fourteen. The word, just a little word, counsel or guidance is a nautical term for someone on a ship. And I thought, how it is like my life. 
the more the multitude of counselors. You say, why, why does there need to be a multitude? Well, because, for one, they're not infallible. <laughs> so you're going to have some counsel, probably, that's not fit with all the other counsel. And you say, you might get burned. Yeah, yeah. Have you ever got burned by counsel? Yeah. Well, you don't quit. You don't say, that's done. I'm not taking any more counsel. <laughs> no, multitude of counselors speaking in. So like, if one of those guys had a little statistics were off for that captain, he'd have so much overlap from other voices speaking to that captain. He's going to make the right decisions in steering that ship. That ship. So who are the counselors speaking into your life on a deep, meaningful level? As you stand on the bridge of the ship of your life and you need counsel to be effective, going, alo- going it alone will not bring you to the best place. So my question for you today is, will you pray that God will bring into your life people that you can go to and can counsel you all along the way. Will you pray for that? That God will make that a meaningful part of your life and that along the way, God will bring those that need encouragement to you. This is the way we function best. And this is the way God speaks to us and brings us to where we need to be. Let's bow together. Father, we are so grateful for the way you've blessed our church family. And I pray that what we've heard this morning and been challenged with would really take place. That we would have many counselors speaking into our lives in healthy ways. And that we ourselves would be willing to give counsel not because we're perfect, Lord, but we've seen and have experienced what you've done. Lord, I pray that you'd bless us with every place we turn here, having good counsel. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.